Duke's mail. Do you get it? Because only the ones that get it really get it. Your friends get it. Your mom gets it. Your grandma gets it. Your neighbors get it. Sometimes a dog gets it. Get out of there. What else? Uh, your potato salads get it. BLTs get it. Tailgates get it. And restaurants get it, too. By now, even you probably get it. So get it today. Made without any sugar since 1917, Duke's is that little southern something that makes good things better. Get Duke's. It's got twang. This episode and every episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Ironmonger Brewing. Visit Ironmonger at their tap room in Marietta, Georgia, or online at ironmongerbrewing.com. Open up a tab, grab a seat, and pour a pint. It's time for the Beer Guys Radio Show. You want free beer? Go to the brewery. Dedicated to the art, science, and enjoyment of craft beer. Yo, what's wrong with the beer we got? Now, here are your hosts, Tim Dennis and Brian Hewitt. And welcome to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We're broadcasting from the Beer Guys Radio Studios in Marietta, Georgia. This is episode 207, and we're talking with Iowa Single Speed Brewing. I'm Tim Dennis, and with me as always is my good friend and co-host, Brian Hewitt. Hey, Tim. Joining us today, we have Dave Morgan, the founder of Single Speed Brewing Company. We're going to talk about cow tipping, wrestling, and probably beer. And I have an update on the craft beverage modernization and tax reform act, which will be interesting. Dave, thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Those are a great list of topics we got there, Dave. That's right. All the greatest (laughs) things. You know, I, I grew up in Nebraska. So I'm familiar with oh, the, really? uh, yes, yes, Norfolk, Nebraska. And I, I okay. still remember the theme song from that. It's where Johnny Carson is from, for those that didn't know, Norfolk, Nebraska. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. Dave, how is the weather in Iowa right now? Oh, it's always beautiful in Iowa, guys. You know, I sure. think uh, when I went in this morning, my car told me it was eight. So I, th- I believe it. I think it was eight. Um, okay. We got into the 20s today, but uh, I saw the seven day this morning. We're going to see some 40s. So. We're going to be all right. It's December. It's uh, We're used to it up here. It happens. Yes. It's right. called winter. Yes. Yeah. Lots of snow uh, in that area. But we do appreciate you joining us. We look forward to talking with you, drinking some of your beers. We're actually drinking one of your beers right now. Gable, a little Munich Hellas action. So Beautiful. that one, we're going to talk a little more in depth about this beer later because it's got a cool story to go along with it. It does. Well, Brian, another busy week here in Atlanta. So many things going on. So many things. So many uh, things. We got out last weekend. We enjoyed an anniversary party at Six Bridges Brewing up in Johns Creek, Georgia. When I checked them out, they're one of the new breweries in Georgia. Yeah. And they are in the running in our Best of Georgia Beer poll that we're doing, which what's the great thing about doing the Best in Georgia Beer is literally everyone agrees with the results. Oh, they absolutely There's do. There's never any controversy at all. Highly supportive, and too. That, probably the same in Iowa, right? Right, Dave? When you have a, a Best of or a competition, literally everyone agrees, right? It's always clear cut, yeah. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. So having fun with that, but we went up there, had great beers from them. They had one called Pancakes and Naps, a stout with some maple in it. I'm always a sucker for a, a little maple stout action. And I forget the name of it, but they had a green tea and ginger sour. And one thing with a lot of green tea beers is they loaded up so much matcha, not just green oh, tea, yeah, but matcha. matcha. They'll load it up so much with that matcha that it gets gritty. You get the powdery green tea in it. But this one didn't have that. It had a nice earthy matcha tea, a little nice ginger. And I love the taste of ginger in there coupled with that sour. Those were my favorites of the event. I have to agree with you on the uh, pancakes and naps. That was good. They had breakfast with grandpa, which was another barrel age. And I forget what all went into that. That might've been 
coffee in that as well. Uh, I guess with I think breakfast. coffee and bourbon, wasn't it? Yeah, coffee and bourbon. So I guess breakfast it, with grandpa. It all checks yeah. out. And they also had their sour continuum with blueberry, cherry, coffee, and cinnamon. And that sounds crazy, but it was very good. It all was. mixed together. Yeah. yeah. And you ended up popping down to an, uh, your neighborhood brewery, right? I did. I did. So Contrast Artisan, they were also celebrating an anniversary. I, I believe both of these are celebrating their first anniversary on the same day. Right. And had uh, the Smash It Red and Never Follow Your Dreams, which is a big collaboration amongst uh, several local breweries and uh, barrel eyes hypnotized biggie imperial stout so those are all quite nice and uh, perhaps we will see some of those might later. see some of those a little later might. Huh? yes dave yeah. what exciting things happened uh up there in your area this week i guys you're not going to believe it we had an anniversary this past weekend see there well, you there go, we go. <laughs> there you go we're right in line our little brewery you know we were founded back in 2012 in a a little wow. 1700 square foot space and, and we that little space turned seven over the weekend so i stopped down there we had some barrel aged beer on draft barrel age isn't isn't necessarily our jam but we play with it just like everybody else does we have a small program and we had some barrel aged uh, a baltic porter on draft and uh listen to a little bit of music and you, you can have a party in 1700 square feet you don't have to pack a, a bunch of people in there to make that a party and, and, and we did That's on, right we did yeah. over the weekend we had three anniversaries and a grand opening last weekend here, right. here in georgia so so that means next year four anniversary parties exactly yes <laughs> though i think that they might uh they might disperse spread a bit. it out I think a little it, bit it was already yeah. talk of that when they saw how many were happening you know tim i think it's time for us to get into beers of the week crack open a cold one it's the truck and tap beer of the week Woo-hoo! craft beer and food trucks in downtown woodstock truckandtap.com well, Brian, as always, we have a fantastic selection of beers to get into this week. Of course, we're getting into single speed beers. As we mentioned, we're currently enjoying the Gable Munich Hellas, and I am very much enjoying this, man. I love a good Hellas lager, much lager love. Indeed. Me, nice, golden, clear, crisp. Just beautiful beer. Yeah. And we're also, tasty. now I got to say one I'm excited about, and I think this was named after our sound engineer, wasn't it? Zach's Mexican Donuts. You know Zach, I know. <laughs> named after our- yeah, so there we go. Looking forward to getting to that one. Spiced Mexican Imperial Stout. We've also got Tip the Cow, which is an award-winning beer. Uh, Cocoa Espresso Milk Stout. We've got a few others we might get into. And Brian, you've listed here. You've got some contrast artisan beers that you picked up at the anniversary. Never Follow Your Dreams. The BA Hypnotize Biggie and Hypnotize with Coffee. That's right. So, And who knows what else? We may open up. Seriously, could be anything. Absolutely. Good times. Brian, what is happening this week in the news? What's in the news? The beer guys have the scoop. Time for headlines. Okay, so this is something Tim was asking me about just the other day. We've got the update on the Craft Beverage Modernization and Tax Reform Act. Congressional leaders have agreed on a one-year tax extender package for breweries, according to the Brewers Association. That means that if this appropriation package passes, the effects of the 2017 Craft Beverage Modernization and Tax Reform Act would be extended until December 31st of 2020. Of course, the uh, the goal of the Brewers Association and a number of senators and representatives is to make the lowered federal excise tax for breweries, wineries, and distilleries permanent. They estimate that breweries saved in excess of $80 million this year alone, and breweries have used that money to expand, upgrade equipment, and hire more people. So as we've mentioned before, the American craft beer industry contributes nearly $80 billion to the U.S. economy and employs over 550,000 people. So, yes, hopefully that passes. It seems like it's going to, Tim. Lots of money out there 
Indeed. So New Belgium is still very much in the news. This week, we learned that New Belgium's employee ownership has voted to approve the sale of the brewery to Kieran. Now, actually, it's Kieran's subsidiary, Little Lion World Beverages, which seemed really certain to happen until we also learned this week that Kieran's business dealings in Myanmar are less than stellar. So I'm no expert on the Kieran Myanmar situation, but the human rights groups claim that Kieran is effectively funding an alleged genocide performed by the country's military through their ownership of Myanmar Brewery. So that doesn't sound good. And they're trying to prevent the sale as a result. So that's they're, they're fighting against it to try to influence Kieran to get out of that and stop funding that. Based on the little bit of reading I've done, it doesn't sound like the sale of New Belgium will have any direct effect or impact on Kieran's business dealings in Myanmar one way or the other, which I suspect is the reason the employee owners went ahead and voted to sell. Also, they wanted to get paid. 300-plus employees will get in excess of $100,000 in retirement money with the deal, and the deal is expected to be finalized by the end of the year. Can't argue with that, man. It'd be good to see. I mean, good money, political things. It's tough mixing beer and politics. Right, Dave? No comment. (laughs) No comment. No comment. We we may have walked down that road one time. We we, uh, like to pick the beer. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's a, it's bipartisan. Beer is bi- bipartisan here Indeed. in America. Bring everybody together. But, you know, you find stuff like that, and, man, it's tough to draw a line. I mean, but when you're talking about a company that supports genocide, that's a that's a pretty hard line. It's kind of tough. It's kind of tough. But uh, so we've got a little bit more here. We've got time for a little beer science, courtesy of AmericanCraftBeer.com. Researchers in Denmark have tested the theory that tapping a shaken beer can prevents it from exploding. You've probably seen somebody do it. The theory is tapping the can allows the CO2 bubbles that have built up on the sides and the bottom of the can to release and collect at the top before you open it and thereby reduce the explosive force of the agitated beer when you open the can. So before I tell you what they found, do you think tapping a can works, Tim? Yes. I have sad news for you, Tim. It does not work. They have tested both shaken and unshaken cans. I don't cans, believe it. I don't believe uh, it. And tapped and not tapped and there's zero difference between what happens it does not work apparently according according to the danes yeah so say the danish scientists brian that's right they can never be trusted they're unimpeachable tim that's right well you're listening to the beer guys radio show we do need to take a quick break but we will be back very soon to talk more with single speed brewing Is your brewery or restaurant flooring all jacked up? Your foundation needs to be protected from heat, chemicals, and other contaminants. At the same time, you want to make sure it's slip resistant and you can clean up your messes with soap and water. You know who to call? ResTech. We've been manufacturing poured-in-place flooring since 2002, and we've got solutions to fit any facility's needs. Go on and visit our website at ResTech.net. That's R-E-S-T-E-K.net. Drop us a line and we will come to you for a free evaluation. Oh, yeah. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. Woo! Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. If you miss an episode, don't worry. All episodes are available as a podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and never miss a show. Now let's get back to our conversation with Dave Morgan of Single Speed Brewing Company. Dave, sir, thank you again for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Yeah, right on. 
Absolutely, man. So we're going to start off just kind of a, a general question. How did single speed brewing come to be? So single speed, yes. Single speed, we answer this question a lot, obviously. But uh, So I'm a restaurant guy. I graduated from the University of Northern Iowa up here in Iowa. And, and I got right into the restaurant industry. And, and, and I was running a craft beer bar and a pizza joint. And I did it for about a decade. And I was like, I'm looking for a new challenge. Like, what's going on out there? What would be cool to do? What would be exciting? Like, what excites me? And in our town, the little town that we live in, at that point in time, didn't have a, uh, a from grain uh, craft brewery. So I looked into what it would take to pull one of those things off. And uh, we just started researching the project and educating ourselves on the process of actually making beer. We knew how to sell beer because I was a restaurant guy already. We didn't know how to make it. So I, I took some education from the Siebel Institute in Chicago and started to figure out how to make beer and, and, and opened, a, like I mentioned earlier, a small little 1,700 square foot tap room with a three-barrel brew house, and we just started rocking a couple beers out a week. So question for you there. You mentioned that the town didn't have a from-grain brewery. Okay. Uh, was there anything – did they have someone there that, like, did extract or some other type of brewing? Yeah, you are correct, yeah. Okay, that's that's what I wondered there. All right. I've tried those. I, I've tried two or three of those, and we'll say that I've I've never found one that could quite nail a from-grain brew. Well, I think everybody knows now it's not the same thing, right? I mean yeah. – the times are the times, right? And, 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 and sure, sure. trend chasing and, and things going on that, that happened. But now I think everybody understands the education's all all there and we all have good footing in terms of like what beer really needs to be in terms of like pleasing the consumer. And that obviously isn't isn't the route that you're supposed to go down yet. So this is pretty interesting. Do I get it right that you didn't do any kind of home brewing or anything before you decided, hey, I'm going to open up a brewery? Just kind of jump in with both feet? You couldn't have it more correct, right? <laughs> that's- you know, I've we've talked to people. He's like, well, I had two years or I had three years. We're like, that's crazy. You're yeah. like, forget it, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into it. So what did make you decide uh, to go for a brewery? Just the other background you had around beer and, like you said, the lack of a from-grain brewery? Yeah, I mean, the love for beer won, you know, so when, when I opened the, the, the restaurant that we opened, our focus was on craft beer. So I was just cultivating that just by going into work every day. We had sports on the televisions, we had pizza coming out of the oven, and we had really good beer, craft beer on draft. So I was cultivating my love for craft beer just by going into work. But then as I was starting to see the market emerge and, and start to see how things were going, and my love for craft beer was growing at the same point in time, I was intrigued. So it kind of just matched up with like, what I wanted to do with my life and professionally and how I wanted to pursue things, this particular pursuit seemed to fit. So I would almost call it lucky, right? You get a, what I get to do for a living now is to, to work with the team on making craft beer and, and selling craft beer in our tap rooms and then and distributing craft beer across the state of Iowa. It, it was just kind of a, a lucky thing where I actually sat back and looked and said, Hey, what do you want to do next? You know, what route do you want to take? And, and that's the one that we took at a very safe level. I mean, three barrels and 1700 square feet. You're not, you're not really putting a lot on the line there, but it also op- offered us the opportunity to really learn how to, how to make craft beer. Have you taken up uh, brewing since then? Or are you, you leaving that to others? I was the brewer at that three barrel system, you know, for about, okay. for about four years. The Siebel Institute led me well. And then, then my instructors there were, were pretty open about how unqualified I was to do what I wanted to do in, in <laughs> okay. <laughs> Real vote of confidence. Thanks, guys. They took me under their wing and provided me a lot of, you know, ancillary educational opportunities. But when you're making two batches of beer uh, a week and launching two new beers every week, if you're a smart individual, a driven individual, whatever it takes to succeed, right, you can get better pretty quick. 
It's true. We kind of gave ourselves the opportunity there to, to, to really get better fast. That is still pretty impressive, though, to go Seriously. from no experience to, hey, let me go to Siebel. All right, I got a brewery. Let's do this. <laughs> so kudos to you, Dave. That's ambitious. Exactly, man. So where does single speed figure into that? What the the name? It's that's a biking reference. Right. So at the at the craft the craft beer bar slash pizza joint that I was operating at that point in time, we did a Wednesday night bike ride with the aforementioned uh sponsored by New Belgium Brewing Company, as a matter of fact. Uh we did a Wednesday night bike ride that showcased our local soft trails uh, around our community. So there would be, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 guys that would get together every Wednesday night and go out and ride the soft trails and when we get back to the bar, New Belgium would would have four, six, eight beers on draft that we could we could enjoy afterwards. Our first one would you know come in a nice twenty ounce logo pint. It was fantastic. A lot of times I'd just go right to Fat Tire because I mean it's a beautiful beer. So I'm riding those rides, and a lot of times I was a sweeper for multiple reasons. One, I'm not super fast, and two, it's just kind of a a casual ride back there. And I'm back there thinking about things. You know, you're out in the trail system, you're enjoying life, and back there is actually where where single speed was born was out riding and thinking about things. And when it comes to the, the the joke of the name, thinking about how slow I would be if I was riding single speed, because I'm not allowed to shift. And when I go to open a three barrel brew house, ultimately, you know, until we opened our new facility, we weren't allowed to shift out of that three barrel system either. You know, we're going to work just as hard as a lot of people do to make thousands of gallons of beer, you know, to make 93 gallons of beer at a time, which is what comes out of a three barrel system. So the name was kind of an inside joke for biking. It still kind of is an inside joke. Like even in that story, okay. people look at me and be like, what are you talking about? 93 gallons versus thousands of gallons. You can't shift your bike and you open a new brewery and it's all confusing. And I'm just, just cracking another beer. I got it, Dave. I got I it. I see were- the <laughs> reference there. Absolutely. We got it. Yeah. I think the hipsters call those fixies, don't they? They do. Okay. And there's one little difference between a fixie. I think a single speed might be allowed to, to, to free fly backwards. And a fixie, you're not allowed to stop pedaling. We're not changing the name of the brewery, though. I like them both. I had no idea all these I actually kind of looked bikes. into it. The, the, the fixed, the fixed uh, what is it, fixed gear or whatever it is? Right. It's directly connected. So it spins with the wheel no matter what. You can't coast. You have to keep pedaling. That's even you're terrible. Cruising. I know it, it. And I realized, like, I had one of those hipster bikes when I was a kid. I had a bike that you couldn't stop pedaling. And then I had another one with no gears on it that you could stop pedaling and coast. So I've had both types of bikes and had no idea what either of them was called. You got to get really hipster to start breaking those two apart and, and, and really get, you know, you're not going to get an argument in a bar over one of those. The details, right. <laughs> As you carry your uh, your vintage record player on your side with your fixed gear bicycle and uh, have some good times. Your there. wood pedal headphones and all that. Yes. Uh, Dave, let's talk a little bit about your actual brewery. I saw... Uh, you went in you, a pretty ambitious project to build this out as a, a lead certified facility and you revamped an old Wonder Bread plant? Yeah, correct. So our, our newer facility or our larger facility where the liquid that you guys are drinking tonight comes from and, and what most people get a, get a chance to actually taste um, is a 1927 Wonder Bread factory yeah, in downtown Waterloo, which we were founded in Cedar Falls and Waterloo's attached, you know, they're kind of like sister communities right next to each other. But yeah, we went into that 1927 Wonder Bread factory. It had, be, it had been defunct for just a couple of years. They'd gone out of business, I think, back in around perhaps 2012, something along those lines. And yeah, and we put our, our new tap room in there and then our production brewery is in that facility as well. So what all did you have to go through to become a lead certified brewery? So the lead certified project, that took quite a bit of effort. Um, 
for multiple reasons, one of which is uh, the Wonder Bread Factory ha has been registered on the National Registry of Historic Places. So as we were going through the renovation of that facility, we were already, already working with the uh, State Historical Preservation Office and the National Park Service on, on keeping it historically sound. So sometimes what LEED wants to do is energy efficiency, right? And what historians want to do is preserve the building. They can be at odds with one another. So the project was a, was a bit dynamic and I had to bring some people in that were much smarter than me to, to guide that project in terms of energy efficiency and not covering up brick walls with insulation and things along those lines. But I did defer a lot of that to people that were educated in, in, in those realms. Um, but some of the cool stuff we did for LEED, solar panels on the roof. We covered as much of the roof as we could with solar panels and we offset almost 100% of our brewing operations with those solar panels. So we feel good about that. Energy efficiency on heating and cooling, of course. Brewing being such a water-intensive project, we have sub-meters throughout the brew house, so we monitor our water usage and, and, and can compare it to our production levels and make sure that we're in line there. So those are some of the things that we did, yeah. Just lots of things to get it ready. It's complicated. Yeah. You're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We have to take another break, but we'll be back very soon to talk more with Single Speed Brewing. Brian and Tim, the beer guys. If you're like us, no lunch or dinner is complete without a pint or two of craft beer. Which is why Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and Duluth are always on our list. Tim, why do they call it Truck and Tap? Well, the tap part is easy, Brian. They've got 18 of them. As for the truck part, that's where it gets interesting. Truck and Tap features your favorite Atlanta area food trucks, so you're getting a different menu every day. Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and Duluth. Truckandtap.com. Let them know that the beer guys sent you. Craft beer forged with a reverence for tradition and new styles that start a revolution. Ironmonger Brewing. The brewers at Ironmonger Brewing pride themselves at being masters of barrel-aged, hoppy, and sour beers. They invite you to their tap room in Marietta, Georgia to taste and see. Also visit their barrel room for an intimate drinking experience with great live entertainment. Keep up to date on all things Ironmonger by liking them on Facebook. Ironmonger Brewing. Establishing a new standard in craft beer. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. If you miss an episode, don't worry. All episodes are available as a podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and never miss a show. Now let's get back to our conversation with Dave Morgan of Single Speed Brewing. Dave, we have a question for you, something that we noticed in a 2016 Beer Advocate article. And uh, Brian, you said this kind of struck home with you, right? It strikes a chord with me, the, the brewing intentionally thing. Could you tell us what that means? Yeah, so I mean, it's actually something I read early on when I was learning how to brew. And I remember reading about malts and somebody said, Everybody seems to be putting four, five, six, seven, eight malts into their beers, right? And it's like you should sure. step back and talk about why are you why are you putting each ingredient in there? Like what what is the intent for that ingredient? You know, if you want crusty, if you want bready, if you want malty, if you want doughy, like let's talk about that. But but you really have to put all of that in there to get it. And then it goes back to like really examining the processes and the ingredients that go into the beer. And there should be intent with everyone that goes in, correct? Sure. Yes. So that's kind of the way that we look at like brewing intentional, like where are we trying to go and then what are we trying to do to get there? 
And if it doesn't have to be complicated, let's let's go ahead and not make it complicated. If you want your beer to sparkle, Brian, yes, you intentionally add glitter. That's what you do to the beer. That's right. So, yeah. and then you have to evaluate after the fact: Did it give you the glitter that you wanted? Right. Because we've seen beers where we did not get the glittery results we expected from the glitter added. That's true. That's so. True. You know, Dave. Though to to get serious again on on what you're saying there, that's homebrewers get that advice all the time. You know, because as a new homebrewer. Let's say you want to brew a chocolate coffee stout and you brew it one time and you go back to it and you're like, okay, but I'd like it if it was a little more hoppy, had a little more chocolate, had a little more of this. Well, if you throw 15 things at it, when you change it again, you're not able to evaluate each specific result to see if it gave you what you were wanting there. And that's something Brian and I have talked before when we, when we were home brewing, we kind of, he, he had some great ideas and worked up some amazing beers for us, but I had to taper it down from doing the madness. I was very unintentional in my brewing. I I have to say, you know, and this actually translates to my, my day job as well. I I write code for a living. And a lot of times there's the tendency to have things and do things a certain way and it just works. But why does it work? Like you're introducing potential areas of problems. You know, we never figured out why it works. It just does. And that's a, a source of trouble that I heard discussed recently in uh, programming circles. So when I re- when I read this in the uh, in the article, the interview with you, I'm like, oh, my, this is great. This works for me. It works for you. It works for homebrewing. It's it's fantastic. I, I love this approach to doing a thing. Yeah, it's, it's one thing at a time, and it's hard. Like, even when we change things in our, our, you know, our small facility is our R&D facility now, and, like, restricting yourself to changing, like, one variable at a time is, like, difficult because you're like, I want a little more of this, and I want a little more of this. But I, we do still feel it's important to change, you know, one variable at a time if we can so that we can really define what changing that one variable did, right? Because ultimately you start changing two, three, four things, and you like you said, you're like, well, we ended up with an awesome thing, but like, how did we get there? We'd like to know how we got there long-term. So yeah, that, that that's kind of the take on intentional. Sure. And we've got a $300 homebrew that probably doesn't need all those ingredients, but we don't know what to remove and save sure. ourselves a few bucks. Right. Crazy. Let's talk Pilsners for a while. Cause we see you've got it. We, we really enjoyed the Gable. Then this has got a nice story with it. Little story told on the back of the can, uh, but this has got a very, very solid Iowa tie in there, right? Yeah. So you're drinking Gable right now, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's about as strong of an Iowa tie as I think you can possibly get. You know, we worked with uh, we worked with the living legend Dan Gable. Uh, he's from our town. You know, our brewery's in Waterloo, Iowa, and that's where he was born and raised. Uh, multiple time state wrestling champion from Waterloo West High School that that then went on to to Iowa State University to win a couple national titles and went on to win the Olympics and all this other great stuff that he did when he we coached the Iowa Hawkeyes to multiple team titles in, in the form of wrestling. But yeah, we brewed a beer in his honor because he's from our town and his national uh, wrestling museum is a block over from our brewery. Uh, we brewed a beer in his honor. In our tap room, we give a buck back for every pint. Every pint we sell right back to his museum over there because the sport of wrestling is not like a basketball or, or a football or baseball where they, they have the ability to print money. Uh, the sport of wrestling needs a little right. more grassroots yeah. support. So we do that uh, for his museum over there. But then Dan's on board with the project, too. Dan comes to events with us and, and hangs out and signs people's hats and babies and cans of Gable. And, I mean, anything you put in front of him, you give him a shirt, that, kid, that guy's ready to sign stuff. So, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's been a really fun project for us and our, our local community as well as the, the entire state of Iowa. Because, I mean, I mean, he's a living legend in, across the country, but in particular in Iowa because he did, you know, I, I mentioned Waterloo, Iowa and, and Ames, Iowa for Iowa State. and. Iowa City for the University of Iowa, everything he basically did 
was founded in the state of Iowa. So it's, it doesn't get much better than Dan. That's pretty awesome. You know, and it turns out the story, I have an interesting story that ties in here. I actually know one of uh, Mr. Gable's old buddies from back in the day. So years ago, this has probably been a decade ago. uh, I was a church going man and there was a gentleman at my church. My, my stepson uh, was wrestling high school wrestling and a fellow approached me and he said, Hey, if you guys ever want any tips, I did a bit of wrestling you know, I'll be glad to help you out. So I'm like, oh, great. Thanks. We chat. And I'm dropping my stepson off at wrestling at school one day. And they have famous quotes from wrestlers around the ring of the wall of the gym. And I look up and I'm like, that's the guy I go to church with that. They had one of his quotes on there. The guy's name is Lee Kemp, Leroy Kemp. Do you know that that name? name? I mean, I was a wrestling state, my friend. I mean, I know, I know a name like Lee Kemp. Yes. Yeah, so that and I thought that was so interesting when I when I saw Gable and looked up it that uh, Lee actually beat Gable uh, one time in in 1975 and it was apparently a very historic and unexpected win uh, for Lee. Lee was a world champion several times and just happened to be that when he was eligible for the Olympics is when the U.S. boycotted the Olympics. So he was not, but he's a world wrestling champion. So I thought that was kind of interesting. The Gable beer and I happen to know you know Lee Kemp. Yeah, Lee's legendary in his own way too. I mean, and yeah, like I said, up in Iowa, we know we we are uh, we know our wrestling pretty strong up in this in this neck of the woods. A lot of it thanks to Dan um, and and what he built at the University of Iowa. That a lot of us that grew up here through that era like followed it. But um, yeah, that is a, that's a neat story. That's a neat tie. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that I mean the Midwest is big on wrestling. There, they make a it's all the beef and corn yes, out there. They're I would imagine good wrestling. I'm impressed by how much connection, odd connection Tim has to wrestling. Weren't you proposition or somebody asked you to get into now, wrestling? They was, wanted to it was sponsor different. you as a wrestler. It was a different kind of wrestling. But when I lived in Arkansas, <laughs> was during the time of the Memphis pro wrestling heyday. Okay. And Memphis wrestling. Uh, Zach, you know Memphis wrestling? I bet you know. So, but anyhow, I was uh, hanging out in Arkansas and someone approached me and said, Hey, you ever thought about being a wrestler? And I'm like, No, no. And he said, Well, if you will go to school, the, the school in Memphis, I will pay. Uh, I'll pay your way to go. So I could have been a pro wrestler. You, you nearly had a scholarship to wrestle. Rass- okay. A, sco- a wrestling scholarship. That's a little kind different of what it is. Than, than some, but yeah, that's right. You were meant to be a wrestler. I should have been. Yeah. Oh, yes. wow. I want to also talk about the next beer that we're looking at, Ring Around the Goza. Tell us a little bit about this beer. So our Goza, uh, I'm glad that you have that one down there. I wondered what we what exactly had down there. I'm going to open one with you if you don't mind. Go ahead. So Ring Around the Goza, it's a member of our Shifting the Sour series. So we do um, six beers a year that fit into this series pretty much every other month. Each one's got its own identity. Each one's got its own, life, own livelihood. The only thing they really have in common is that they they are all kettle soured. So... Ringing Around the Goza being our summer seasonal, it's probably our brightest and, and lightest of the offerings. 4.1% ABV, I believe, passion fruit, pink guava, obviously because it's a Goza, it has coriander and sea salt in it. Incredibly crisp, incredibly refreshing. The thing I love about these kettle sour series is I, I love having them with food because they seem to reset my palate and allow me to go again fresh. You know, that acidity on the backside just seems to like really do well with food for me. This is our flagship within that series. You know, arguably the most well-known beer that we make and, and, and the coolest beer that we make. We were lucky enough to bring home a World Beer Cup medal with this one in 2018. They do that. I mean, we were just talking about Gable, so we can talk about the Olympics. When I explain the World Beer Cup to people that don't know beer, the World Beer Cup is essentially the Olympics of beer. It involves the entire world, and they don't do it every year. They don't wait for every four, but they do it every two. This one was, uh, we were lucky enough to bring a bronze medal home the last time they had the World Beer Cup. 
Um, you guys were just talking about Tennessee, right? We were down in Tennessee when that happened. We were down in Nashville. So, um, yeah, that's this beer. Crushable, 4.1, drink six. Easy drinker. Good. I love the passion fruit and guava in it. I'm a big fan of that one. Well, we need to take another break. The clock's got us again. You're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We will be back very soon with more from Single Speed Brewing. Have you ever thought about owning your own brewery but don't know what it takes to get one built? We're Storytime Construction, and we build breweries. We're Georgia's most experienced and hands-on contractors when it comes to building new breweries and tap rooms or expanding existing breweries. We offer full build-outs, remodeling, and additions, as well as consulting and construction management. Give us a call at 770-733-4343. Storytime Construction. We build breweries. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Oh, God, here we go again. Dork alert. Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash beerguys. Patrons get cool perks like Beer Guys swag, commercial-free episodes, and even bonus episodes that aren't available anywhere else. But now, we should get back to our conversation with Dave Morgan of Single Speed Brewing Company. And yes, Tim has got his face in, into some tip the cow. That's it. And so it. what we need to know is what is tip the cow day? So tip the cow day, uh, that's coming up. So we're, we're, we're mid January or something like that. We're going to have our first annual tip the cow day. So it's all based around one of our flagship beers, which is tip the cow, which is a cocoa espresso milk stout. We work with a local coffee roaster on this beer. Um, they actually roast the coffee right in our building right now. We share space. Um, which is a beautiful thing for many reasons. And, and I won't get sciencey on the, the process of making coffee beer, but it's super to have them in our building. But it's all based around Tip the Cow, which is our year-round milk stout. Um, but people have been begging us for a couple of years to, to get creative with this one. So for Tip the Cow Day this year, we've made an imperial version of it. We've barrel-aged it in some bourbon barrels. We've barrel-aged it in some Cabernet barrels, which were actually bourbon barrels before they were Cabernet barrels. We've done another batch of it with coconut infused, and we're going to release all of those on the same day, make some ice cream floats with it, and, you know, not get pretentious about the beer being. I mean, the way we think about beverages at Single Speed Brewing Company is if it's good, it's good. And, and typically that focuses on the beer. But on this particular day, we're also going to let you pour barrel-aged Imperial Tip the Cow over ice cream. And, and we're going to bet you that that's also pretty good. And that's going to be part of the party that day. Um, the coffee roasters are coming out with some barrel-aged coffee. There's just a lot of things going on that it's going to be fun. Maybe live music. I don't know. That does sound good. And I'll bet that if you poured that over, especially barrel-aged, over some ice cream, I bet that would be good. I think it's a safe bet. Yeah. Dave, have you ever personally gone cow tipping? Uh, You know, they say that's not really a thing, right? That you can't actually tip them? I've never tried. That's so... I'm a little... Once again, my Arkansas stories... (laughs) But I did attempt to go one time in my younger days with uh, me and a buddy and our girlfriends ended up in the middle of the country. And what started as us with the intentions of cow tipping ended with us running from a bull. 
So I have been, but it was not a successful. Well, right I can here. tell you that I can tell you that Danish researchers have looked into cow tipping, whether or not it's possible. I'm kidding. I, that, I they should. They should do that next. If but, you tap the cow, well, if not, <laughs> yeah. it makes it easier to tip. Yes, exactly right. A, a tapped cow will tip a lot we easier. Mean, Paul so, Kemp and Dan Gable, those two maybe. That's yeah. If anybody can do it, I want to see. I want to see these guys suplex and figure four leg lock a cow. <laughs> those are probably the guys. That's. I guess say we might get Peta on us after this, <laughs> but uh, I have to ask because uh, Tim usually keeps me from asking coffee questions. So do you uh, do you cold brew your coffee before you add it in there? Because this is delightful flavor, and I know home brewers are always looking for the right way to add coffee to a beer or coffee notes. So we're such good buddies with these roasters and these guys have a couple cafes locally that we work pretty tightly with them on a lot of coffee beers. One, because it's fun, but two, because they always come out um, pretty kick. So it's a fun project and it's always fun, you know, on the front side of it to plan it. It's, it's even more fun to drink it on the backside. We do multiple things, but the standard practice is we will take beer that is, is fermented and we will add the coffee grounds to it, coarse grind. We've done bean as well. We've bounced back and forth and, and we infuse it that way. So basically you, whatever stage you decide to go with, whether it's end of fermentation or early in the bright tank, end of fermentation for safety would be my recommendation. We add the coffee in then and allow anything that might be coming in to ferment back out and then to go into bright tank and packaging. So we don't make cold brew, no. But essentially, we're making cold brew with the finished beer product. So kind of. Um, we're just removing the dilution factor by adding water back into making that, right? That's our favorite practice. And sure, we do a bunch sure. of different stuff. And it, it gets a, a little bit more intricate after that, depending on what beer we're making. Because we, I mean, we even make sour beers with coffee. So the procedures that we go through change. But we typically run them through our R&D system and then find out the flavor profile we want in the back and then go with that. Do you do a coffee cream ale? We have... You know, we've tried coffee females on our R&D system before. We've not had success in, okay. in firing one through that we've not yet. All right. That's one of my, when executed well, that's one of my favorite expressions of coffee in a beer. I think they play really we've well. We've always that. struggled with that one thing that people talk about in coffee beer um, when we've done females, and we haven't identified that factor yet, but it's that uh, vegetal note, that green pepper note. The vaginal peppery. We've oh, been yeah. it on that particular style. So, and we haven't tried Super hard. I mean, being a connection with this roaster, I'm sure there's a solution out there that we could we could work through. But uh, we've done it for fun, and have, have never been super excited with what we've got on the backside of a of a cream ale with that. So there's also the uh, the opportunity to do. Uh, I've had a coffee blonde. I believe Dry County locally has done a cl- coffee blonde, which is very good. And I have had coffee colches that I also like. I'm not sure if those would help you out at all in getting that lighter coffee beer. But uh, yeah, I've, I've got a thing for coffee, as you can so probably tell. Brian's, uh, Brian's all about helping out if it gets right. another coffee beer. All That's right. We love him That's too. right. Yeah. So Dave, you'd mentioned just briefly, you know, talk about being in Iowa and that. How is the the beer scene there? Because I see that you won the Des Moines Register. Tip the Cow actually won the Des Moines Register beer bracket for 2019 out of a field of 64 beers. Did you have some stiff competition? Oh, the beer scene here is good. Um We've got a lot of little guys, you know, that are focused on taproom sales and, and doing their thing and making a bunch of a bunch of killer beers. And then we've got some guys that are that are growing and, and you know and uh, spreading beer over the state of Iowa as well. You know, a lot of us, a lot of the little guys aren't focused on like taking over the whole state, but but some of the bigger guys are are working on production and, and distribution across the state, and they're making some really good stuff too. 
we're all learning from each other and, and, and we're all uh, we're all following each other and, and working together on trying to make the IR beer scene as cool as it, get, as it can get. And I've been in it for about seven years now, but in the last four or five years, like the progress has been really good and, and I'm proud of what everybody's accomplished and, and where I think we're taking the state in terms of in terms of beer. It's fun to see, you know, we love beer from everywhere. You know, we're talking to Iowa, we, Iowa brewer. We've talked to him from all over. Of course, we love our local brews. And uh, I think it's fun just to see everybody grow the the camaraderie, good competition with each other, but just the friendly competitiveness and even more so just helping each other out. Collaborations, having a good time. Definitely a rising tide situation with it breweries is. because they do collaborate a fair amount in, in addition to being somewhat competitive as well. So you've got both the benefits of both the fun from both angles there for sure. Dave, what's uh, what's coming up for single speed? What have you not done that you well, want to do? So we have tip the cow day coming up. So that's top of mind right now. We're really focused on that and making sure that we execute on tip the cow day as good as we can and make sure that everybody comes to the party with us uh, has a party. I mean, that's the kind of thing. And then uh, right now we're focused on, on 2020. Our core brains are, are, are out there and we're focused on and developing the core. We do have one joining the core next year. We have a beer called Swift coming out, you know, first quarter that's going to be kind of a hoppy session ale, um, hop forward, maybe a touch hazy. Um, it's going to be a neat beer that everybody can jump into, and, and we're going to put it in 16-ounce format, which will be the first the first beer that we put in 16-ounce format within our core, which is kind of a cool thing. I mean, people like to go grab those those four packs of 16-ounce beers. So we're working on that, and then uh, really sure. our focus is just on making beer as well as we can make it, you know, and, and getting it out to the people of Iowa. and and hoping that they uh, embrace what we're doing and support what we're doing and, and enjoy their weekends with a, a cold pint of single speed in their hand. Well, speaking of 16-ounce cans, we, I, I can't let the uh, the segment end uh, without bringing up the fact that we have just cracked open Zach's Mexican Donuts. And I'll give you a few, uh, you know, a minute to uh, so tell us That's our first 16-ouncer. So uh, we were excited to put that in, in 16-ounce cans. We'd been running uh, the 12-ounce canning line for about a year before we decided to to adapt it to go into 16s and we decided to do it with that one which is one of our biggest fears so zach not your sound guy not that zach not zach that is zach. our <laughs> is our business development guy for for half of the state and prior to doing that he was our uh, he was running our r d brewery and our tap room in cedar falls so we threw zach's name on it zach's mexican donuts was inspired by our mexican mocha which is a coffee drink we were just talking about coffee i guess but you know it's got some cayenne it's got some cinnamon it's got a vanilla note. There's some lactose in there. So if you think about a mocha being made with milk, it's got some lactose in there. It's just a nice, nuanced beer that has all of those flavors that I just described into it. It's got chocolate. It's got coffee. It's got cinnamon. It's got cayenne. It doesn't blast you with any of them. They all just kind of, in our opinion, delicately, delicately display themselves throughout the liquid. And, and, it, and it, it's a fun beer to crush 16 ounces at a time. I wish I had one. I mean, I'm drinking Ring Around the Goes. I shouldn't complain, but if I had a Zach's, I, w- I would love to drink them with you guys. It's, uh, it's tasting great. Well, uh, we're just about out of time. If people want to keep up with what Single Speed is up to, where should they go? Singlespeedbrewing.com is the best spot, and then you can get out to our social media channels from there. Our girl, Rachel, works really hard at making making sure that content's active and, and keeps you in the loop and everything that we're up to and everything that we're trying to, uh, to move forward with. But yeah, singlespeedbrewing.com is probably the best spot. Awesome, Dave. Thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show. Coming up next week, we're going to be talking about beers to ring in the new year, Brian. Oh, yeah. For more craft beer info, follow us online. We are Beer Guys Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
Thanks again for tuning in. Have a very Merry Christmas, and don't forget to drink local. Cheers. Cheers.